To this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word prompts us to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. tonight on the subject once again of believing in God. We've been dealing with this now for a number of weeks and as I began to sit down and study for this message, I began to realise that this thought, if I haven't hit you with something over the last few weeks, I'm going to hit you tonight. So if the messages over the last few Wednesday nights about believing in God haven't really been what you're dealing with. I'm telling you, we're going to hit you tonight. This is something that you're dealing with. We've been looking at what it means to believe God. And when we talk about believing God, we're talking about what does it mean to fully trust in God? What does it mean to know Him personally and intimately? A lot of people have a head knowledge, but very little heart understanding. We talk about knowing God in such a way, no matter where we find ourselves, we can still find God there. Isn't that a great analogy? That no matter where we're at, we can still find God there. That's truly knowing God and truly walking with God. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to step beyond the mould or the norm. There's a a mould that seems to be set and cast of what Christianity should be. You know what, I don't want to break that mould because I'm not happy with it. I want to move beyond the norm. I don't want to be in that place where I've allowed myself to settle back into because there are some strong realities that you and I must face and address in our lives. Over the past few weeks now, we've covered a number of these realities. We say we believe God, we say we live for God, but yet there's additions or there's things that are accompanied that. We talked about we believe in God, but we challenged ourselves, do we really know him? We discovered our enemy knows our God oftentimes greater than what we do. The Bible tells us in James that the demons tremble at the name of Jesus. They tremble. They know the power of Jesus oftentimes a lot more than what we do. We then looked at the fact that we believe in God, but yet we doubt. How could he ever love me? Why would he want to love me? I'm unlovable. Why would he choose me? We looked at the fact that we believe in God and we say we love Him, but we seldom, if ever, pray and take things to God. We looked at the fact we believe in God and He's awesome and He's great, but sometimes we just struggle with the fact of He's not really fair. Life's not fair. Things are tough. And last week we looked at the fact that we believe in God, but yet we choose and are unwilling to forgive others around us. The reason we're saying we believe in God, but these things, because really when we believe in God, these things don't go together. Come on. If we believe in God, we're going to forgive. If we believe in God, we're going to accept the fact that He loves us, whether we feel it or not. We're going to accept it because we know it. If we believe in God, we're going to know who He is. We're going to realize that He is just and He's going to treat us in that manner. 
So tonight I want to talk about the fact of we believe in God, but honestly don't believe that he can change us. I told you I'm going to come after you tonight. We believe in God, but yet we don't really believe he can change us. What do we mean by that? How many times have we ever said, I'll never change? I'll never be free. Come on, be honest with me. You're all too quiet in here. Come on, how many have said, I'm never going to be free. This thing's going to bother me. I'm going to have problems. This is, come on. I'll never lose weight. I'll never be any different. You didn't have to put your hand up for the weight one, but I appreciate your honesty. But you know what? We look at these circumstances and we have believed the lie that we will never change. Come on. We've believed the lie that this is how we're at, this is how we are, this is where we are at, and I guess we're just going to have to make our bed and lay there. Anyone here ever said those words and believed the lie? Come on, we're going to talk a little bit tonight. I want your help. Bishop's going to help me out tonight. He's going to go around and ask. I want to ask some questions tonight and I want some answers. And that is this. The first question is, why is it easier to believe the lie than to grab the hold of the truth? Come on, who wants to answer? Who wants to be the first? Why is it easier to believe a lie than it is to grab a hold of the truth? Come on, the next person be ready if you've got something to say. Heather. If you believe a lie, it's, it's denial and you don't have to do any work. If you believe the truth, you have to work to pursue the truth. Good answer. Good answer. Hey, we all like to do things that we don't have to do anything. Isn't that true? Come on. Who else? As, as much as we hate to admit it, it might be that we're actually scared of the change. Um, for example, uh, I have uh, a family history of chemical imbalances in my family, so there's many OCDs, and I actually suffer with one myself. And, um, you know, I've, I've made a lot of changes and adjustments so that I'm not... You know, you really can't tell I have this OCD myself, but there's still this one little thing in my house that I hold on to that I've lately been asking myself, am I ever going to be completely free of this fear or what keeps me doing the same, um, I guess, habit or whatever every time over and over? And... Um, it's kind of a fear with me because I have kids with allergies and um, I want everything cleaned a certain way and, and whatever. But it's really uh, causes discomfort for the family when we're out late and we come in and um, because I end up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning cleaning my house. Okay, anyone else? Mr. Haas. I think it's easier to be negative sometimes. And, and you have to work it sometimes to be positive. So a lot of times we take the easy way out and just become negative about things. That's true. That's true. Why do we think that we'll never change? Come on, hold on a second, Miss Joanne. Hold on, we're coming to you. Well, we never have changed in the past, so we continue to think we can't. Okay, okay so our track record, the enemy tells us you've never changed in the past, so why you think that? Come on, who else? Come on, Heather, I'm loving it. Actually, this is part of my testimony because I do recall before the accident, it took me four months. I lost 48 pounds. Pure dedication in God. If it wasn't for God, you can ask Pastor P. I was here every Sunday, every Wednesday. No denial of that. But it was dedication every single day. And now it's like, I'm like, oh, I don't have to change. My excuse is the brain injury. That's a pure lie. 
Yeah. I could do it if I want to. Come on, come on, come on. Why do we think we'll never change, Miss Deborah? Maybe because we heard it all our lives from somebody else saying, you're going to be this, you're going to be this, you're going to be this, and you're going to be this. And so you figure, well, I guess I'm this. Mm -hmm. I'm what you say I am. Yeah. And believe in the hype That's right. instead of believing God. Come on, come on. Awesome answer. Awesome answer. Bishop, you had something you were going to Yeah, say? I, uh, although I'm probably, there, there might be one man here older than me, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I I know I can change. I because because I am I'm a recent convert to uh, to salvation, and uh, and I've been around churches involved and thinking I was uh, well, I wasn't thinking anything. I was fooling a lot of people, and uh, and and oftentimes myself was the biggest fool. And uh, but but I can tell you, I have changed. I, in the last nine months, I have changed drastically. I am a totally different man. I, don't, I stopped my toe before I came here, and I might have broken it. I didn't utter one curse word. Come on. That's come a on. big change for me. And I haven't uttered a, uttered a curse word in a long time. And, and uh, I, I didn't, uh, didn't realize just what a filthy mouth I had until Roxanne pointed it out to me. But, and, uh, and I've changed. And... Uh, I, I uh, and I love change, and, and I, you know, it's uh, every day has been a blessing. And I, I've got a, a great blessing today. It looks like we're going to close on my property up there in awesome. Mississippi awesome. in a week and a half, and uh, and I'm getting a, just a, a, an unbelievable price. I didn't I didn't expect this. This is a blessing. This Come is on. this is not my doing. I, uh, uh, I you know, it's it's all God, and uh, and I, I really can testify. That we can change, cool. and, I, and I've done it. Cool, awesome. Anyone else? Come on, we've got some people over here. Bishop, I'll go since you're an old cripple with a broken duck. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say it's probably because most of the time we try and do things in our own strength, and that's when we fail. We don't rely on God and go through His strength. Awesome, good answer. Good answer. Mr. David? I think we find ourselves a lot of times uh, in. Uh, in situations, uh, maybe in meetings or with friends in a Bible study, and it really affects you, and you make a commitment to change, and you do, and then down the road, you realize that to stay changed, you got to accept a big responsibility, and things start to unwind, and you have to go, thank God, back to those same friends and get reminded that... We uphold each other as Christians and keep each other responsible. What he's just said is the greatest commercial for church. Right there, being in church, because it keeps to rem it reminds us to stay changed. It reminds us to stay sharp and stay focused. Awesome. Awesome. I think the thing that uh, has affected me most recently and had a lot to do with me showing up here is uh, my wife has stage 3 cancer. And uh, I've been a fixer all my life because I got married at 17, and uh, we had 20, we had five kids before I was 23. So uh, I didn't think the sun had come up unless I pulled it. And uh, so uh, when this happened, I found myself in a situation with a lot of things that I had no control over. It was a really the first time that I had to just collapse and say, "God, if you don't pick me up, I'm not coming up," you know, and. Uh, best feeling you ever had in your life. <laughs> cool. What's some of the lies that we've believed? 
Come on, what are some of the lies that perhaps we've believed? Anyone? When it comes to change and stuff, some of the lies that we have believed. My biggest thing was feeling forgiven for something I did. Okay, to be able to forgive yourself, Dale? Uh, mine's like right along the same lines as that. Is that believing that you'll never do anything good enough to make up for what you've done in the past? And, you know, you don't have to. That's right. And But, but you still you believe in that lie that you need to keep trying harder and harder and harder. And it's not going to erase all of that. That's right. You know, but it is erased That's in right. his eyes. That's right. And the harder sometimes you try, the more you mess up. <laughs> that sounds crazy, but it's true. I think the biggest lie that is that we, we have the curse of our father or the curse of our mother. Or it's in our genes or something. But that is not, that's nothing but a lie because... Once we're saved, we have a new father, so we don't have to go back to anything that maybe our parents did or something. Cool. Anyone else? Anyone else before we move on? How many would admit that there are an awful lot of lies? Thanks, Bishop. It's an awful lot of lies that we have chosen to believe, and as a result, we've fashioned our lives after them. Did you want to say something, or you were just agreeing with me? Cool. And, um, you know, one of the questions I was going to ask tonight, but, you know, I didn't think anyone would probably answer it, so I'm just going to ask it to myself tonight. But, you know what, I wonder sometimes if we're unwilling to change because we like the attention that we get from the state that we are. Could it be that way? That we don't want to change because we like the sympathy, we like the pat on the back, we like people to swarm around us, we like people to respond to our need. It's amazing, isn't it, that sometimes people are so starved for attention that they'll even go after it negatively just so they can get the attention that they require. You know, I think also that every one of us tonight would be able to agree without a shadow of a doubt of the fact that it's not because we haven't tried to change that we haven't changed. A lot of us have tried over and over again We've tried many times, but here's what happens. When the change doesn't happen exactly when, how we think things should change, what happens? We tend to give up. We just tend to give up. Change is more than just a decision. I really believe that. Change is more than a decision. It has to stop with a decision. You have to decide, I want to be changed. But change has to become a lifestyle. It has to become something that you walk in. Through change, there are lessons that we must learn. How many have heard it said that you don't solve money problems with money? Why is that? Because if someone doesn't know how to handle their finances, if you give them money, you'll pay off their debts. But guess what? It's not going to be long before they have the same debts again because you haven't helped them, you have enabled them. And sometimes with us, we want that immediate change, but we don't realize that a lot of the times there's lessons that we need to learn along the journey or what I want to call along the process. Because if we don't learn, we're going to find ourselves right back where we were and this time worse off. So we realize that there's change. So change oftentimes, not always. Thank God salvation was an immediate change. Wow, one amen. Thank God. I said salvation was an immediate change. You were once in darkness, now you're in light. You're changed. But there's other changes and other things and habits, as I believe Angela said, and different things. There's other changes that still need to take place, processes that need to take place in our lives. 
But through the process, we must refuse the lie that we will never change. I talk to a lot of people. They don't see the results like they want, so they think there is no change. But we've got to be able to see the progress that we are making. We may not be there yet, but we're a lot closer to it than we've ever been before. Instead of being depressed that we're not there yet, we need to rejoice that we're a whole lot closer than we've ever been before. And at least this time we're headed in the right direction. A dog on a chain. They say you can put a dog on a chain for long enough that at first that dog will push its boundaries. It goes and it tries to fight and it gets yanked off its hind legs. But they say after a while that dog will begin to understand the limitations and the boundaries that it has that eventually you can even take the chain away. And that dog is still limited by now an invisible boundary that it tells itself that is under. How many times can we be in bondage or imprison ourselves and live contained without realising God has broke the chain of sin, that there is freedom, there are no boundaries, but the sky is the limit of what we can be and what we can achieve in God. We've got to realise that. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 says these words. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly, but they are, say with me, mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Yes, we're humans. The Bible tells us that in verse 3. We're fleshly. We walk in the flesh. The struggles we have, oftentimes, they are fleshly, but this is the thought. The struggles may be fleshly, but the battle that we fight is not. The battle we fight is not a fleshly battle. Therefore, in order to pull down the strongholds, we need weapons that are mighty in God. What does that mean? We need weapons that are God-empowered. In order to pull down strongholds, that word strongholds means fortified, locked up or imprisoned. The only way that we can break the strongholds, the imprisonment of, you'll never change, you'll always be the same, the mindset, all these things that have been bombarded against us, that have made us believe a lie instead of the truth, the Bible says what? That there are, that, that we can pull down every stronghold through God's might. Satan's tactics are trying to hold us back and say that you'll never change. There's no way that you will ever kick that habit or you'll break free. But the truth is, when we try ourselves, we never will change. To change, there are steps that we must understand and follow. You know what AA and a lot of these programs, they have it so right 
to a certain extent, and that is this. One of the first things that you've got to do is first admit that you have a problem, that there is a need to change. But I want to give you five steps, just really quickly, that you can write down, and then we're going to go on with the message. Five steps that we need to follow in order to see change take place in our life. And number one is not admit that you've got a problem. So don't write that down. That's not number one. Number one is this. Realize what God's Word says. That's the greatest thing that we need to realize in our lives. Not that we have a problem, but I want to know what God's Word says. So the first step is this. We've got to realize what God's Word says, because after all, God's Word is the only absolute truth. The second step is this. We need to admit we need help. Houston, I have a problem. That's our second step. The third step is this. We've got to allow God to help us. We've got to fight with God-empowered weapons. We can't kick this thing on our own. The fourth step is this. This is a good one. We've got to eliminate all excuses and the wrong surroundings. And the fifth step is this. We've got to trust Him that He'll bring it to pass. We've got to place our trust in Him. Even when we don't see things happening, we've got to hold on and keep trusting, keep believing that God is going to bring us through. Romans 6 verse 14 says these words. Romans 6 14. You don't have to turn. That's just a few words tonight. It says this, For sin shall not have dominion over you. So what does God's Word say? God's Word says that sin does not have to master you. In other words, sin does not have to control you. Therefore, those things so often that we think we cannot change, the Bible says they should not be the master or the ruler or the controller over our lives. How many of us, if we were completely honest, would admit that we are controlled by things that are not God's best for you. Think about that. We're controlled by things that are not God's best for us. Oh, we're quick to identify the obvious ones. I mean, cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, pornography, gambling, lust. I mean, we're quick to identify those things that are definitely not God's best for us and we don't really need to be involved. Well, not really. We don't need to be involved in those things and we need to change. But what about caffeine? the master of a lot of people. They can't even talk to you until they've had three cups of coffee. What about spending? What about eating? What about gossip? What about lying? Come on, what about the internet? What about TV shows? What about Facebook? What about texting? So many of us are mastered and we don't even know it. So many of us are controlled by things and we don't even admit it or even fully realize it. But you know, there's a whole other area that can be master over our lives and that's our minds. We heard it, those things that have been spoken over us that we now believe as the truth, our thought life, that we are mastered by the wrong thoughts. I'm meaningless. I have no purpose. No one could ever care about me. Who am I? What am I? Whatever it is or whatever they are, if there's more than one area 
God can help us change. You've got to hear that tonight. God can help you change. A lot of people say, well, all you need to do is give your heart to Christ and that's it. There's a lot of things still that we have to learn throughout our Christian experience. How many knows that? Come on, salvation is immediate, but sanctification involves a process. There's a process of change that needs to take place. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that I can never change. This is how I'm going to be. If those things that are controlling you are not God's best, you need to start believing and crying out to God and say, God, I want to change. I need to change. That's maybe a better one because sometimes we don't want to. But we need to. We need to. I want to be in the image of His Word, not in the image of my words. Whatever it is, God can help you change. You have just got to allow Him. As I wrote those, I put down this thought. If God cannot change you, whatever it may be that you're going through, May for some just be small things, for others it may be bigger things. If God can't change and break that bondage or that prison in your life, if God can't change that, then you know what? I'm wasting your time and you're wasting mine. Let's shut the doors down, let's close the church and let's go home. Come on, if God cannot change, then we're just wasting each other's time. But I'm here to tell you, we're not wasting time. Come on, we're not wasting time. Because God can change. We're all products of change. Thank God. How many are different than what you used to be? Come on. How many are glad you're different because you would have been embarrassed for people to see you? How you used to talk bishop drawn. How you used to act, Mr. Huss. And different ones. We've all changed. But listen, we still need to change. I said we still need to change. God is in the changing business. In Mark chapter 10, I was just reading this the other day, Mark chapter 10, a rich man comes up to Jesus and he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said to him, well, that's easy. You just keep the commandments. Jesus lifted them down. The guy says, been there, done that, got the t-shirt and the bumper sticker. He said, hey, I've done all those things. Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. Jesus said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. The Bible says that that man left really distressed and very upset because the Bible says he was very wealthy. But the disciples sitting around, they couldn't understand because Jesus said these words next. He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than what it is for a rich man to enter into heaven. Incidentally, the eye of the needle was at night time when they would shut the city gates. There was just a small opening that they could not go in and out with a loaded camel, that they had to literally strip everything off the camel so it could just squeeze through. And the reason they did that was because they wouldn't be attacked or plundered at night. And Jesus was saying, and they saw that narrow gate, and Jesus said, "It's, it's easier for what a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is a rich man. The disciples couldn't understand what Jesus was saying, but then Jesus brought it into perspective of where we need to be tonight too. Jesus said these words in Mark 10, verse 27. He said these words. Jesus looked at them and said, with men it's impossible. It's impossible. Come on, some of us have even said that. It's impossible that I'll ever change. This is how, it's just impossible. It's impossible. Impossible. 
You see, Jesus was talking to them about salvation. They couldn't understand. Jesus said, with man it's impossible. But look what he goes on to say. With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. That thing that you have that you need to change, God says possible. Come on, all things. All things are possible. With people, it may be difficult and often impossible, but not with God. Because God or with God, all things. Say that with me. With God, all things are possible. You and I, you see, we cannot give up on change. We cannot give up on hope. Why? Because with God, it's possible. It's possible. But one of our biggest opposers to change is the monster of excuse. We've all got so good at this, haven't we? Before you and I can fully tap into God's life-changing power, we have got to eliminate the excuses that hold us back. We've got to face the reality and the facts. How many of you admit tonight that you're quick at throwing out excuses for why you're not where you need to be and why the changes have not... Come on, be honest with me. After all, we are in church. In John chapter 5, there was a story of a man who had been sick for 38 years. That really rings home to me because next month I'll be 38 years of age. He had been sick for every day that I had lived on the face of this earth. For 38 years, the Bible says, he laid by the pool of the Seder, waiting to get in as the angel touched the water. Look what it says in John chapter 5 and verse 6. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been in that condition, for a long time. Say with me, a long time. 38 years is a long time. Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? I don't know about you, but I would say that this would be a prime candidate for someone to scream at the top of their lungs, yes! 38 years. Do you want to be made well? But instead of realising what was available to him, he made up every excuse for the fact of why he was still crippled. What are you saying? If we realise the fact of the ability of God and his willingness to change us, we would be changed. But instead we make up every excuse why we're still crippled and why we still live in the same place amongst the same people in the same state. Come on, shout amen in this house. Or oh my, whatever it may be. His condition had made him so accustomed. He had become so accustomed to it. And now it was his focus for all the reasons why he would never get better. Why will you not be changed? Because you'll give up every reason for the conditions that you've found yourself a part of. There will always be an opportunity for excuse or of excuse. But are we taking the excuse and the opportunity of it over our opportunity to be made whole? To be made complete. To be made complete. 
If excuse is talking you out of change, you've got to start replacing those excuses with the truth of God's Word. 2 Corinthians, we were there a few moments ago. 2 Corinthians 10, now verse 5. We read verse 3 and we read verse 4. But 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5 says this, Cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, all excuses, all reasons against must go and now all our thoughts must be placed upon God's ableness to set you free in your life. That God is able to bring about a change. We've got to cast down anything that's going to elevate itself above The knowledge of God. What's God's knowledge towards you? What is His heart towards you? What is His desire for your life? It's not going to be found in an excuse, but it's found in His words. In other words, no matter what you see around you, you have got to stand upon God's word and claim it for your life. Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do through Christ who gives me the strength. Listen to what Romans 8, my Bible's upside down, it would help if I turn it over. Listen to what Romans 8, verse 9 through 11 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, for indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that now dwells within you. In other words, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, a life-giving, changing spirit. Where does it dwell? Inside of you. Psalms 139 through 30, verse 13 through 16. Read it for yourself. We haven't got time. But it says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. And the days, while yet you hadn't even lived one of them, He had all perfectly fashioned. What does that tell us? God's got a grand design for you. God's got the best for you. Not to live bound and not able to change. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Say with me, I'm his work of art. That's what workmanship means. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should what? Walk in them. Walk in them. If we're not walking in them, we're believing the light. Come on, God wants to change some people in this place. There's some mentalities, there's some addictions, there's some strongholds, there's some mindsets, whatever it may be. God says it's time that if we really believe Him, that we've got to start trusting Him that He's able to change us. Write down this, if you're not dead, you're not done. Come on, if you're not dead, you're not done. There's still things that God's doing, that means there's still hope. If you're not dead, if you're still breathing, there's still hope. He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it if we allow him. To live by an excuse is to insult God's power. 
Remember, with God, all things are possible, even those things that you and I think aren't. But we must also watch who and what and where. We must watch our surroundings. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says these words, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So we've got to watch the excuses we make, but we've got to watch the people we associate with ourselves. We've got to be around the right people. People have changed. It's hard to break free when you're constantly subjecting yourself to the same things and around the same people. I think one of the biggest pitfalls people fall into when they get saved is this, that they go back to their old friends. And they think, I'm going to change my old friends. But what they don't realise is their old friends soon change them back into what they used to be. doesn't mean we can't reach our old friends. We can. But we've got to watch the surrounding. We've got to watch the context. We've got to watch where we go. If we're going to touch them, don't go to the bars and the clubs. If we're going to touch them, meet them on a neutral ground, invite them to church, love them, pray for them. Listen to something I read involving relationships. It says this, If you're striving to please God, but the person you're dating continues to push you to do things that you know you shouldn't, it's time to throw that little fish back into the pond. Think about that. We must surround ourselves with people who will keep and help our change. We must surround ourselves with people that believe that God can change us. We must surround ourselves with people who believe that we have the ability to change. So let me bring this to a close tonight. If we say we can't change, we're speaking almost the truth because we can't change on our own. Hello? We can't change on our own. If we could change on our own, then Jesus would have never had to die upon a cross. If we could have done it on our own, there would have never been the need of a saviour. But what we've got to remind ourselves is this. Our strength is limited. Our willpower easily folds. And our determination soon runs out of gas. We need help. And we don't just need any help. There's only one help that can help us. And that's Jesus. Colossians 1 verse 29, the last verse and I'll close. Colossians 1 29 says this, To this end I also labour, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Let me read those words of May from the, living, the New Living Translation. It says this, That's why I work and struggle so hard. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. If we were to just read that, we would think of not really a great image of why I'm working and struggling so hard. But when we realise the meaning of struggle right there, to struggle, that word struggle means to struggle or to compete for a prize. But literally in this context, the word struggle there means to compete with an adversary and win. To be the victor. So that's why I work and I struggle. I compete with an adversary and I am the victor. Why is that? How do I struggle? How must we struggle? The Bible tells us in this verse, not on our own, but with Christ's power and energy, depending on Christ's mighty power. 
that works within me. How do we change? How do we win? By His power being allowed to work inside of us. If we're going to change, which is possible, do I hear an amen? Amen. If we're going to change, which is possible, our change must involve God's power. Yes, we must do what we can. Let me say that one more time. We must do what we can, but also trust God to do what we can't. Us and God are an incredible team. But really, it's God and me. That's the winning team. Change is possible. Change is needed. No more excuses. All things are possible to God. Realize, step number one, realize what God's Word says. The truth. Admit that you need help. Hey, I have a problem. I need to change. Allow Him to help us. Use the God-empowered weapons for the weapons of our warfare are carnal. Are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. God-empowered weapons. Eliminate our excuses, our wrong surroundings, the influences, and fully trust Him. Because if you do your part, he'll do his part. Nothing is impossible with God. But I believe we can sum up everything that we have said tonight in one statement. And that is this. The real question is this. Do we really want to change? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.